Did you know there is a battle going on right now? Did you know there is a supernatural all-out war going on right now? Did you know this week there was a lot more at stake than just the paycheck that you would earn? There's a lot more at stake than just the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints or, or Texas and OU. There's a lot more going on than all the crazy stuff going on in Washington, D.C. Did you know there is a battle going on right now? Let me tell you, I, I believe we as Christians today, somehow we've lost sign of that. Somehow we've, we've lost that, that vision that there is a battle going on right now. We've become so distracted by the things of the world, and very honestly, we've become so comfortable today with the pleasures of this world, we have lost sight of the truth that there is a battle going on right now. Right now, there is a battle going on. Did you know that in the crosshairs of that battle are our homes. In the crosshairs of that battle are our kids. In the crosshairs of that battle are the eternity of countless people, people that you work with, people that live up and down your street, people, some of them that ate Thanksgiving lunch with you. Folks, there is a battle going on today, raging on today. Very sadly, I believe most folks professing faith in Jesus Christ are asleep while the battle rages. They are asleep while the casualties of the battle mount. They are asleep as the death toll rises. Friends, we need to wake up. There is a battle raging right now. Friends, let me, let me just tell you, it is high time that we would suit up, that we would put on the full armor of God. It is high time that we would stand up and we would stand upon the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would take back the battle for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is a battle going on right now. Today our message is entitled, The Battle-Ready Believer." The battle-ready believer. We're in Luke chapter 20 today, 22, today verses 31 through 34. Luke chapter 22, today just a few verses, verses 31 through 34. The battle-ready believer. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 31, Jesus is speaking and he says this, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Verse 33, but he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your kindness. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for all of it shown to us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful today for a, a risen, reigning Savior. We're thankful for the, the forgiveness of our sin today. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth of your word. 
I'm thankful for the truth that changes hearts and, and changes lives and changes eternities. I'm thankful for that truth that we, we hold in our hands as a gift of grace from you. Lord, I pray today as we begin to study that you would speak that you would lead. I pray it would be a supernatural event. I pray that, that we would have prepared hearts now, prepared ears, and that you would supernaturally speak to us, your people, today. Lord, we, we come today and we tell you, if there's any here that do not have a relationship with Jesus, Lord, we, we pray that you would move, that you would work, that these words would become clear, the gospel would be presented, and that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, they're here and they're broken and they're hurting and they're they're walking outside of a relationship with you, and I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us here that are saved. I pray that we would grow today, that we would look more like you today, that we would be ready for battle today, being led by your word. We give all this to you. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today we continue on in really an odd set of verses telling the goings on between the last supper of Jesus with his disciples there in the upper room and his going to the cross of Calvary. From this discussion, he's going to turn, he's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and the steps are going to start to fall in place that leads to the cross of Calvary. And we are in a weird section of verses between the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper instituted, and then Jesus going to Calvary. It is a recording of the actual events, the actual conversations in these strange hours. Now think about that. Can you imagine these hours, these few short fleeting hours before Jesus is to turn and go to the cross of Calvary? This is the actual recording of those events of that conversation. Now see this, be sure of this. In these verses, we find Jesus preparing these disciples those disciples for the task ahead of them. Really, that's what these verses are about. We find Jesus, and he is shaping those disciples. He is equipping those disciples for the battle that is just ahead. You see, the defense of the gospel, the spread of the gospel the work and the mission of the church in leading people to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ will rest upon them. Sometimes I fail to see how huge that is, how paramount that is. The, the work of holding the gospel, the work of assembling and then, and then pronouncing the gospel, the work of, of starting the church is going to fall on these men in that group. And so we see here, in these few hours, Jesus is deliberately, intentionally preparing them for the battle ahead. Now, let me quickly pass through the verses again, and then we're going to come back and look at the verses in detail. Let me just very quickly sweep through the verses, and then we'll come back and we'll look at them in detail. Verse 31 says this. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Now, remember the context here. At this point, they are, 
they are arguing, these disciples are arguing over who is the greatest. And they're wondering who is the, the greatest and who's going to be the greatest in the coming kingdom. And they're found in this discussion, really this argument over who is the greatest. Well, from the context and really from the, the, from the personality of Peter, I believe most likely he's right in the middle of that. I believe what we know of Peter, what we've read of Peter, I believe in the context of, of what's unfolding here is they're talking about I'm the greatest and so I will hold one of the great positions, if not the greatest position outside of Christ in the new kingdom. I believe as they're, as they're bragging and as they're, as they're talking themselves up, I believe right in the midst of that, most likely is Peter. And while he's talking about his greatness Jesus snaps him back down to earth. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Verse 33, but he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. Do you hear the brashness in that statement? Do you hear the confidence in that statement? He pulls him back down to earth, but, but Peter's not done yet. And Peter has some things to say. And he says, Lord, I am with you. I don't know about them. And that's what this is about. I don't know about them, but I am with you. And even if it's to, to prison that we'll go, I'll go with you there. Even if it's to death that we go, Lord, I will go with you there. I am with you, Lord. Now, let me say this. I like confidence. I like boldness. The thing that I liked about playing football years ago was that we'd get off the bus. I don't know if it's still the same today, but this is how we did it. And we'd tape up, and we'd buckle up, and we'd take the field, and as the captain, we'd walk to the center of the field and I remember this is what the atmosphere was. It, was. it was like this. We'd walk to the center of the field, and really it was this. Me and my friends are here to whoop you and your friends. And your mama's going to get to watch it. And your girlfriend's going to get to watch it, and maybe your granny's going to get to watch it. And I'm going to tell you, for, for a guy like me, that was the most awesome thing. You know what? It doesn't matter now who can run the fastest. It doesn't matter who can jump the highest. It doesn't matter who can catch or who can throw because y'all are about to get whooped right now. That's Peter. He's bold. He's brass. Jesus calls him and says, Satan has desire to, to, to sift you like wheat. And he says, Lord, I'm with you. Lord, come whatever may, I'm with you. If we go to prison, I'm gonna be with you. If it even is to our death, I am with you. Verse 34. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Jesus says the sun will not come up on a new day. It will not even be a full day when all of your big talk will come to nothing and you will deny three times that you even know me. He tells Peter this. 
These are the actual words. These are, this is the actual discussion that occurs. Now, I'm going to go back, and I want us to see now three things for the battle-ready believer. Three things today for the battle-ready believer. Listen, we are in a battle. The, the spoils are high. The spoils are costly. These are three things we need to understand today as a battle-ready believer. For the battle-ready believer, the first is this. Satan is your enemy. Let that sink in this morning. Satan is your enemy. Be sure, Satan is set on your fall. Satan is set, he's bent on your destruction. Do you understand that? Satan is seeking your end. We have no little enemy. Be sure of that. We have no, no lie and flippant enemy. The father of lies, every lie originates from him. The father of lies, the evil one, the accuser of the brethren who takes guilt and shame and he dumps it on the brethren, the accuser of the brethren, the one that the Bible says he prowls about like a lion looking for somebody to devour, that is Satan. He is prowling about. He's not sleeping. He's looking for somebody to pull into pieces. The deceiver all the way back to the garden, all the way from the start, that deceiver, the liar, the murderer, the prince of darkness, he is your enemy. That should make you shiver. That ought to make us sit up this morning. Who is our enemy? Listen, Satan is our enemy. Listen to verse 31 again now. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Simon, Simon, that is a somber call. That is a serious call. Jesus turns and, and whatever's going on over there with Peter, he says this, Simon, Simon. Oh, if it were only just prison. Simon, oh, if it were only just death. But there's so much more at stake. Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Sift means to thrash. That's the literal translation. They would take wheat, they would put it in a sieve, and they would beat it. They would violently shake it. They would smash it up. It would be a rough process. It would violently shake it, and, and the grain would come out of the shaft. It would, it would separate the wheat. Well, Jesus says, Satan desires to thrash you like wheat. He, he wants to violently shake you, to rattle you. He wants to shake you that you would become undone. Satan is the enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. Understand, listen, today as you sit here, today in 2018, Satan and his demons, the faces of darkness, they know the battle. 
Listen, you may have gone to sleep, but they know the spoils of the battle. They are actively engaged in the battle. They haven't slacked off, no. And so we cannot afford to be unaware. Satan is our enemy. Now let me show you something here before we move on. Verse 31, it says this. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Now, in the original language, it's an odd thing. The word for you in the original language has several different meanings. In in, in the original language here, there's not really a word for it, but it is this. You is plural. Now, Texans have figured this out, so we made y'all. And so in the Greek, this really translates y'all. You is plural. Satan wants to thrash, this is the original language, y'all. Satan wants to thrash this group. Simon, Simon, he draws his attention. Satan has asked permission to thrash y'all. Y'all are over there fighting and arguing. Satan is against y'all. Now look at the start of verse 32. This is very interesting. But I have prayed for you. Satan has demanded permission to shift y'all like wheat, but I have prayed for you. In verse 32, you is singular. It, it, really, it literally reads this. Peter, Peter, Satan is coming for y'all, and I have prayed for you. See this. Satan is very wise. Satan is very crafty. Satan is very strategic. And so when Satan wants the group, he comes for the leader. Do you see that? When Satan wants the group, he comes for the leader. Listen today very carefully. For your God-given leaders, you should root for them. You shouldn't pull against them. For your God-given leaders, you should encourage them. You shouldn't be a a discouragement. For those leaders, you should be an encouragement to them. You should support them. This is what the Bible is saying. Listen, for your God-given leaders, you should pray for them. Oh, you should wake up and you should pray for your leaders and you should go to bed and you should pray for your leaders because the truth is this, over and over and over and over again, Satan knows I can take out the group if I can take out the leader. So understand today, for the battle-ready believer, Satan is the enemy. Second, for the battle-ready believer, second is this, and it's very awesome. Christ is your advocate. Christ is your advocate. Understand that today. We do not fight alone. We, we talk about, you know, we are, we are in a battle. That's a, that's a terrifying thing. But understand, we do not fight alone. We do not stand alone. It is not even our power that we're going to fight in, but rather Christ Jesus is our advocate. Verse 31 again. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Verse 32, the first part. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And I want you to see two things in this. First is this. 
The Bible says this, Christ prayed for him. Peter didn't even know this was going on. Christ, Jesus, prayed for him. In the original language, the word here for prayed means begged. It literally means to plead. Now, what that means is this. Jesus pled his case. Peter really didn't, didn't know the, 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 the things that were going on. He didn't know the attack of Satan. He didn't know the profoundness of what was hanging in the battle, but Jesus did. And so it says this, Jesus pled his case. Jesus pled his case. Get this, the Bible says for us today, for battle-ready believers, Romans 8, 34, Jesus is at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us. That's what the Bible says. Jesus pleads our case. Jesus pleads our case. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Jesus, he is our high priest and he lives now. He's not dead. He lives now to make intercession for us. Listen, Jesus pleads our case. He pleads our case. We are in a battle, yes, and it is hard, yes. It is tough, yes, but Jesus is alive and he pleads our case. How awesome is that? This is even better. Second thing to see is this. Jesus prayed for him. He pled his case, yes, but don't miss this. Notice this. Satan asked Jesus for permission. Did you notice that? Verse 31. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Satan has asked permission. Now what that, what that means is this. Be sure and understand this. Satan is not in control. Jesus is. Satan is not the one that's all powerful. Jesus is. Sometimes we forget that. Satan's not the one that is determining anything. Jesus is. And while Satan is real, while the enemy is real, listen, Jesus is a greater advocate than the enemy is a threat. Now I want you to listen. This is very important. This is a very big deal for us today. We need to understand this. We are in a battle. Yes, we are in a battle. There is a waging battle over the truth today. There is a battle for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a battle going on for the eternities of a hurting world. But listen, Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our help. Jesus is our strength. And the way that we defeat the enemy, the way that we stand against the enemy is to turn to Jesus. Today I see a lot of people trying to figure out how we're going to defeat the enemy. What are we going to do about Satan? How are we going to bind up Satan? What are we going to speak against Satan? Listen, what we do is we turn to the advocate, Jesus, who's already defeated Satan. Satan is our enemy. Jesus is our advocate. Third thing, for the battle-ready believer, now listen very carefully. For the battle-ready believer, Failure doesn't define you, but rather it makes you. Ooh, listen to that. Some of us, man, we need to hear that today. Listen. For the battle-ready believer, failure doesn't define you, rather it makes you. Now watch this this morning. Peter is over there big talking. He's with his crowd. He's big talking. Jesus overhears it and Jesus says, listen, Peter, you're going to fail. 
Peter, you're going you're to fall short. And it's going to be huge. You, you, you don't understand how huge it's going to be. You're not going to stand. And you'll even deny that you know me, Peter. Peter, as it gets tough, as, it, as the pressure is applied, you're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. And as they start to beat me, and as they start to punch me, and as the blows start to crush in, and as, as bruises start to raise up, and as the Savior's blood starts to, to run out, as they start to drag him away, oh, your friend, oh, your king, your Lord, you're going to cut your eyes away and act like you don't even know him. You're about to fail, Peter. Oh, that's your Savior. Oh, you're going to die with him. That's what you said. You're going to cut your eyes and act like you've never seen him. You're going to fail, Peter. And then verse 32 says, and you, listen to this, when once you have turned again, literally translates this, come back. Once you have come back and you, you're gonna fail. And once you have come back, strengthen your brothers. Peter's going to fail. He's gonna miserably fail. But Jesus says, once you come back, listen, not if, once you come back, strengthen your brothers. I want you to remember this. Remember after Jesus ascends, he's crucified he is dead, he's resurrected. After 40 days, he ascends and he goes to heaven. I want you to think about this. Peter, the one who fails after the ascension of Jesus, he's the one who leads the charge. Oh, he failed miserably after the ascension. Peter's the one who leads the charge. Peter, the one who fails, he's the one who preaches the very first sermon. All of the sermons, all of the preachers, all of the messages, the very first sermon that's ever preached. Peter, the one who fails, he's the one who preaches that sermon. Peter, the one who fails, he's the one to lead the first converts to Christ after Jesus has ascended. The very first converts, those that are saved and they receive the grace of Jesus Christ, they're led at the leading of Peter, the one that failed. Peter, the one that failed, he's the one that declares to the court when the court says, you know what? No more talk of Jesus. No more talk of Jesus. No more talk of Jesus. Peter, the one who failed, he's the one who stands there boldly and says, and there is salvation in no one else for there is no name given among men by which we must be saved. And Peter, the one that fails, says, let me tell you about Jesus. It's that Peter Yes, he fails, but he's not defined by his failure. Rather, he is shaped by it. Folks, this is the crazy thing about following Jesus Christ. This is the crazy, awesome thing about following Jesus Christ, and that is this. Failure doesn't finish us. You see, I have failed. I have failed. You have failed. You've failed. We have failed. But, but listen, if we submit that to Jesus, he turns it and he uses it. You see, where we should have been cast off, he doesn't cast us off. Where you ought to say, you know what, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Enough is enough. He doesn't do that. He doesn't drive us away. No, that's not what he does. We're empowered. 
We're recommissioned. We're restored. Listen, these are the terms of the gospel. This is what happens to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where we have failed and where he ought to write us off and where he ought to cast us away in great grace, he lets us be in the ministry of pointing people to the Savior of great grace. Listen, as Christians, our failures don't define us. No, they don't define us. That's the amazing thing. But in the kind grace of Jesus Christ, our failures are used to shape us. And when we submit it to him, he uses them for his glory. What an awesome thing. Do you understand that? For, for sinners, what an awesome thing that is. Listen to me, friend. God wants to use you. Don't look behind you. God has a plan for you. You sit there and in your inner mind, you think, well, you don't, you don't know me. You don't, you don't know my past. You don't know the terrible things that I've done. Let me tell you something. Jesus does. If you'll give it to him, he'll forgive you. Not only will he forgive you, he'll restore you. Not only will he restore you, he will use you. For his great namesake. Listen, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. No sin is too great. No distance is too far. If you give it to him, he will forgive it. He will remove it. He will not remember it. He will restore you and use you. I, I truly believe this. I believe many times, if not most times, for believers, our greatest failings if we'll turn them over to Christ, become our greatest ministries. I, I truly believe that. I believe that's how, I don't know why, but I believe that's how crazy this system is. I believe our greatest failings, where everybody else would say, no, write them off. No, don't trust them here. No, put them away. Our greatest failings, when we submit them to Jesus Christ, I believe they become our greatest ministries. And you find a person that's battled with addiction and the sin of that, and they found that hope in Jesus Christ and they found the strength in Jesus Christ and forgiveness in Christ. You know what? You come back and you find them and they're finding those folks that are in that same situation say, let me tell you about peace in Christ. Let me tell you about forgiveness in Christ. Let me tell you about lifting a shame off of you because of Jesus Christ. You find somebody and they've gone through the terrible process of a divorce. They've walked through that and I'll just tell you it's worse than death. And everybody wants to act like it didn't happen and turn away from them and not talking to them. You know what, if they'll turn that over to Christ and they'll submit that to Christ, they'll be able to come alongside somebody years later and say, you know what, I've been down this road and I've walked this path and God's grace is sufficient for you and he'll take this and it'll be their greatest ministry. That's how Christ works. You see, the truth is this, there's a battle going on and Satan would like to pick us off one by one. Well, kick them out. Well, I got those two right there. We'll put them out over here. And Satan wants to pick us off one by one. Listen, that's not the method of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, I know you've done wrong. I know all things. I know your heart. But you know what? If you'll turn this over to me, I will forgive you. I will renew you. I'll restore you. And I'll lift you up into a place where you can take this and you can take even that and point glory to Jesus Christ. That is our Savior. There is a battle raging today. Satan is our enemy, be sure. Jesus is our advocate, take hope. And failure doesn't define us, it shapes us. 
I should end there, but I want to say this. Don't you want to do something great? Don't you want to do something that matters? Don't you want to do something that brings glory to Jesus Christ? Don't you want to go to bed at night and say, oh, I want to do that again tomorrow? Don't you want to wake up in the morning and say, I can't wait to get out of this bed. I've got things to do to point glory to Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm a sinner. I've made a mess, but you know what? I've been forgiven, and I want my life to matter for the glory of the risen Savior. I was just thinking about something, Chris Bell. Years ago, Chris was in my office, and we were talking, and he made a profession of faith. He got saved. We're sitting there. I don't know if you remember this story or not. I hope you do. We're sitting there talking. I baptized Chris. It was an awesome day. But as we sat there and we talked, and we talked about forgiveness and grace and new starts and how marvelous our Savior is, these are his words. He said, you know what, I want to be a warrior for that cause. You know what, I want to be a warrior, brother, too. That's my, that's my language. I want to be a warrior for the cause of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus is our advocate. We have a, a real enemy, but Jesus is our advocate. And, and failure doesn't define us. It shapes us that we can be a powerful tool for his glory. There is a battle. Let us stand in that battle. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm thankful for my gracious, kind, forgiving Redeemer. I'm thankful that I, oh, I ought to be cast away. Oh, Lord, you should have enough of me. But you forgive. And the, and the relationship that I broke with you, you repair. Not of any work, not of any words, not of time passing, but through a bloody cross or through your blood, I'm given the righteousness of Christ. Lord, I am so thankful today for forgiveness. I'm so thankful today for grace. I'm so thankful today for new starts, even on this Sunday morning. Lord, I pray that we would turn it. We would commit it to you. We would seek your forgiveness we would grab your word, we'd walk according to it, and we would live for your purpose. I pray, as my friend said, that we would be warriors for the cause of Jesus Christ, that many would hear, that many would know, that many would be saved. Lord, use us for that. Lord, I pray for some here that do not know Christ. I pray that in this message, maybe they've decided and, and they've, they've heard the gospel and they've decided to put their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them, that you would continue to draw them, Pray that any hindrance will be removed and that today, Lord, they would put their faith in Christ, the greatest thing that could happen. Lord, I pray for us here that have made that decision. I pray that we've been encouraged today, that a weight maybe has been lifted off today and we're ready to get back in the battle. Use us today. And then we sum it all up by saying this, as we heard yesterday, Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. Jesus, Lord, you are everything. We praise you. I pray all this in his name, amen.